1: Unbelievable Podcast. I am BJ Rydell, back here with my guy, Drew Mahold, and today... Well, we've been putting this discussion off for some time now because the vikings had a bit of an interesting free agency period but it's finally draft day on the unbelievable podcast in terms of us actually looking into what the vikings should be doing uh, in the upcoming draft we're about uh, two or so weeks away and uh, we've got you know final numbers from the combine we've got you know a lot of experts out there uh, dropping their final mock drafts or close to their final mock drafts and final prospect rankings Uh, Basically what I'm saying is we have all of the resources at our disposal at this point, Um, even in a limited year there's still plenty of information out there and you know uh, fun stuff to kind of differentiate some of these players. Um, The Vikings are of course in an interesting position, Uh, fewer draft picks than uh, usual within the top 90 I suppose, Uh, currently not having that second round pick and that kind of leads you into the belief that Rick Rick Spielman might be doing some wheeling and dealing with that number 14 overall pick, which is of course the ones that all of us have our eyes on at this point in time. Uh, So we'll spend the show discussing a lot of those different things. Uh, Talk about some scheme fits, some guys that might make sense um, in the right circumstance, um, the potential for a trade back, uh, what the experts are saying, we'll cover all of that different stuff. Uh, And of course we have to talk about the quarterback position as well. So you know that's gonna come up at some point. Uh, but yeah, that's the game plan for today's show. So uh, let's hop right into it here. So. First and foremost, I think this is important for both of us to share is that if you're looking for a deep dive on individual prospects or prospect analysis or, you know, very in-depth schematic and film breakdown reviews from players this season, uh, this is not your podcast. I highly recommend recommend Jordan Reed for that. Um, he's my absolute favorite draft guy. And uh, I just you know, starting a,
0: starting a series with Paul Allen. So, yeah, I mean, that's. You know if you're looking place for that,
1: to go if you're looking for that, Jordan Reed is your guy or there are other guys in the climb the pocket network that are also doing a great job with draft content but for us, this is more kind of the fun approach to the draft this is the fan approach to the draft. Uh, we're going to talk like fans and we're probably going to break things down like fans so hopefully uh, the discussion is still enjoyable in that regard, but we're not going to go I'm not going to go super deep here i don't I don't know if 250 prospects this year I'm sorry so here is what I do know right um, <laughs> First and foremost, I want to say this. Generally speaking, I approach this conversation from the angle that the experts are wrong, for the most part. I think the experts generally get the Vikings very wrong with regard to what they need, a good scheme fit, a good roster fit in general. Uh, This year, I think for the most part, they've nailed down some very good candidates for the Vikings, assuming that they do stay at number 14. The the two most common ones that I see are Elijah Vera Tucker, the inside, inside lineman from the USC. And then Quiddy Payne, it's Quitty Pay, excuse me, the edge rusher from Michigan state. So those two guys have come across the board basically in everyone's mock draft. If you, t- if you Google Vikings draft pro, you know, draft mock draft, whatever, those two guys are the most prominent names. Now I like both of those players. I think they both fit, you know, fill in those two needs that, you know, just about every Vikings fan is harping out. Um, uh, the question becomes, though, is as a result of with the news that you know this podcast at least hasn't addressed with uh, Jeff Gladney and his you know potential NFL future. do you have to think cornerback here as well? Uh, my point being here is I think that the expert picks for the first round for the Vikings are kind of on par with what I think the Vikings need. But I do have some questions.
0: Yeah, I think so too. Uh, and I think especially edge to me, um now, I think we've talked before about how. Uh, interior offensive line is probably not one to invest, right. you know, a first round pick. That
1: was my first question. Yeah.
0: Um, so, you know, Elijah Vera Tucker to me, I wouldn't say that that's the best use of resources if the Vikings stay at 14. Um, Quitty Pay, yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, that's the thing about the Vikings is they have so many different holes and at, at viable positions too that they can address here. Um, of course, Edge uh, is, is a prominent one cornerback now with the whole Gladney situation is another yet again. Uh, And of course, when we'll talk about it a little bit too, I'm sure quarterback. uh, I I'm also, I think we've had this argument before too. wide receiver, I think is something that the Vikings very much need to focus on. And I think they should prioritize in the first round, um, especially with some of the elite players that probably will be available at that spot. So um, I I guess those are kind of the chalky picks you'd say. Right. Right, Um, But I think there's, you know, if the Vikings are working on something behind the scenes a little bit, I kind of hope it's at you know cornerback uh, wide receiver or quarterback uh, in that first round. Um, and I also fully anticipate Rick Spielman to somehow, some way or another get into the second round, whether that's trading down out of 14 or whether that's kind of moving around with uh, the other picks he has.
1: So a couple things here. First and foremost, I said Michigan state for pay, and it's actually Michigan. So that's my bad. I probably pissed someone off uh, arrows and the before you guys can even get to me. Um, uh, second thing and probably more importantly to our discussion here is that you know you we've got the we've got kind of the, the major names out of the way i'm with you i don't draft elijah vera tucker i think he's a great scheme fit i think that he is a great uh you know positional need fit like right you're you're solving an issue by drafting this player but i'm with you it's a resources thing for me as well the vikings just did it with garrett bradbury and though he's a Fairly average player in the NFL and with potential to be better. I still hate that pick, regardless, just because of the positional value. Yeah, I, I just don't think you draft a guard at number fourteen. If you start sliding back, okay, well, p- potentially, you know, in the twenties, it might make a little bit more sense. But at fourteen, I lean the edge rusher route. And Quiddy Pay, of course, is the as I was saying, is the expert consensus pick. There's a bunch of other great names out there as well. There's Jalen Phillips from Miami, who also has, you know, has captured a bunch of you know different experts' eyes in terms of being a schematic pick for the Vikings. Uh, but I, w- I want to focus more on against what you're going to get in a Google search, right? What Kind of what Drew was alluding to before, where, y- yes, the edge rusher and the, and the interior offensive lineman make a lot of sense, and I, you know, I think the experts are right. But with that being said, the possibilities at cornerback and wide receiver are super interesting this year for a couple of different reasons. First of all, tons of talent. You got a Heisman winner in this group. You got one of the biggest freaks I've ever seen in Jamar Chase, um, and you've got a bunch of children of very successful NFL players with names that you already know from watching football twenty years ago. Guys like Patrick Sertain, for example. And to ch- to make all of that to you know to kind of mix that up even more is you've got a quarterback, uh, you know, traffic jam at the top of this draft that's going to push down a lot of different names, right? It's not just the wide receiver position. It's not just the cornerback position. I think, hell, I think there's even a conversation to be had what you do if Kyle Pitts falls too far, the tight end with extraordinary talent across the board. My point being here is that as a result of four, possibly five quarterbacks going in the top five, you might have some real talent. Jalen Waddle, Jamar Chase. I mean, the Heisman winner, Devontae Smith. I mean, wide receiver has to be somewhat of a need, as we've discussed in the past. And with the way that this draft might, you know, evolve, I think you're gonna have a real shot at one of these guys.
0: That's I think the whole point here or well it happens in every draft, right? Um, where, where quarterback really kind of sets the tone for the rest of the first round. You know, right. there's teams that trade up for quarterbacks, there's teams that think they're good at quarterback in the top ten and trade down. Um there's those decisions kind of set the tone for the rest of the first round and kind of in this scenario too with the Vikings at 14 and all this buzz about Mac Jones going top five potentially, you know, the San Francisco rumor is three. Um, they you know, if he goes three, that opens up a bunch of doors, I think, for the Vikings, because of a lot of these guys, right, that um you maybe anticipated going top ten for sure, right? Or you anticipated that oh, the Vikings aren't gonna have a chance at this guy. Um, there's going to be right. one of those players that falls to the Vikings at fourteen if you know, we do see this run of quarterbacks that people are talking about. So you're going to see one of those stud receivers potentially, or maybe you're right. Patrick Sertan, maybe does fall to the Vikings at 14. Um, but it's just something to monitor because I, for as much as maybe the chalk pick is pay or Elijah Vera Tucker um, there, there sometimes just talent. You can't ignore it. And I think, I think personally at receiver, if you can get one of those kind of big three guys, Smith, Chase, Waddle, you know, one of those three guys. um, I think that you really have to take that chance because like I've said several times, I'm going to repeat the points I make about receiver, but, you know, look at their offenses around the league and, you know, find a team that doesn't have, you know, several uh, just playmaking studs at the receiver position, guys that can separate um, consistently, right? Uh, Every single high-powered offense has a couple of those guys and the Vikings have two right now. Don't get me wrong. um, But then the third, spot that that position is, I would say, I would say is considered weak. And, you know, Adam Thielen, again, a superstar player, uh, absolutely one of the best in the league, but of course he's over 30 years old and that's at the point where you, you start to decline. And then to me, I think you really consider now kind of grooming and finding that third, third guy um, to kind of take his place eventually, or kind of uh, at the very least solidify that position and uh, keep your offense humming. So, uh I, I like receiver as a very kind of dark horse play for the Vikings in the first round. Because if, like you said, if there is that run of QBs there where five maybe are taken in the top 10, um, you, you would think one of those receivers or Kyle Pitts, um, does fall to the Vikings at 14. And I think you have to take that chance.
1: So you've got that big three that you just mentioned at the wide receiver position in Waddle, Chase, and, uh, of course, uh, Devontae Smith as well. Sorry, I had something in my throat there. <laughs> I'm having a show today. Uh, but you've also got three really good cornerbacks as well, in my opinion. We both mentioned Sertain already, of course. You've got to also mention. I think you got to, you know, you got to talk a little bit about Caleb Farley. I know the medical concerns, like the very real medical concerns with him. He's gonna have a final opportunity to alleviate some of those issues, but I do expect that he's going to be a like an absolute certain faller. Like I think he'll he's a top 10ish prospect. He ends up being in the 20s, late 20s. Uh, So opportunity there in a couple of different ways. Uh, And then the last one is JC Horn as well, who I really like. He's the son of Joe Horn, of course, which I I think name recognition helps in a couple of different ways for these prospects. First of all, I see that name. I'm just more, I gravitate towards you. Like, I'm just going to look at your film just because, Oh, it's Joe Horn's kid. You know, I remember Joe Horn. He was on the cell phone in the end zone. Right. Uh, I look at JC Horn. I, I give him a little bit more, interest, I suppose. And I think he's a good press man guy who I think fits super well with what Mike Zimmer likes to do. Um, I also like his style of play. I think that he can be that boundary guy. And I think that he can mix it up in the NFL. I think he has the personality to do it. He's also the only one of the big three here that I believe hasn't talked a whole lot, which I go back and forth here. You've heard me say in the past that I like cornerbacks who talk, but I also am a little bit more careful before you get drafted. Like Caleb Farley, for example, coming out and being like, I <laughs> he said if or he said something to the effect of, you know, if you don't draft me, you're making the biggest mistake. Like, don't pass on me. Like if you take anyone before me, et cetera, et cetera, that whole spiel that we've earned a hundred times over. I think that's you just gotta be careful before draft time. Like if you want to start talking after you get drafted, that's one thing. But I'd be a little careful with that. So I think JC Horn is kind of the dark horse here. Um, I'm a fan, and I think that he fits with the Vikings like to do. I think he'll be there at 14 for sure. And I think that he's also a good trade back candidate as well. If you want to move back from 14 to 22 to 28, I've seen both of those numbers listed on the internet. So that's why I'm using those two picks. Uh, Then I think that he's a, he's a good target there. And it also gives you the opportunity to fill that edge slot or that interior offensive line spot with a better spot to allocate those resources. I suppose is kind of the way that I would phrase that. So while it seems like there's a consensus on the internet, and one that I'm not opposed to in any cer- certain way, I think that you have to play the you have to play your board hard this year. This is absolutely the type of year where it's like, yeah, you know, you've got a couple holes that if you addressed them, you might be 10 and 6. But a if seven. you get a game-changing talent here, I don't know who it's going to be. I think Jamar Chase is a fairly good lock. I think Kyle Pitts is a pretty good lock if you, you know have the ability to, to reach either of those guys. If you're able to get one of those guys who can turn your franchise from very good offensively to even better, I think you have to ignore the interior offensive line thing. That's going to really bug me if the Vikings make that selection of Elijah Vera Tucker. Again, great scheme fit. I like the kid. I like everything I've read about him. I like the, sh- the short amount of tape that I've seen of him, but you can't do that at 14. It's going to really bug me if you leave, I don't know, name your wide right receiver, Jalen Waddle on the board. Yeah. Resolve the drafting this guy.
0: Well, that will absolutely bother me. Um, And – like it's like you said the it's a allocation of resources that um there's so many you know positions of value right that are just loaded with talent here in this draft and you know you see it all the time where a guy falls um you know too far in the draft because of you know there could be concerns about character there could be concerns about injury but there's there's no doubting the player's talent um there's a ample examples of this Um, I think the Vikings best example of this would be you know Randy Moss um, I like that but there's all kinds of talent in this draft and to you know for a team like the Vikings who has so many roster weaknesses to focus in on one so hard like like interior offensive line I would be very bugged uh, by that for sure so you know I guess what I'm curious about from you BJ is like a power ranking I suppose of you know i think we've done this before but now that we're closer to the draft we can kind of redo it again but like maybe prioritize three positions that kind of yeah. your wish list or maybe a, a, you know what a realistic wish list of guys to fall the 14 and then you know like that you want yeah you want to fall the 14 the vikings take those guys without a doubt so like give me a top 3 there
1: okay so there's a there's a couple things here, and it kind of mixes in with the the next the last point here that I want to discuss before we get into quarterbacks, and that's the offensive tackle position. I think that addressing that, you know, answers a lot of different questions, right? If you're not drafting a guard, all of a sudden you're drafting a tackle. You know, I've seen a couple of different names thrown out there. There are a couple of very good ones. Of course, you know, Penny Sewell is the obvious one. Like if he for whatever reason falls, like if he doesn't, if the quarterbacks go and then Cincinnati skips them for some reason and you're in the position where you can move up one or two spots to get him, I think that's my number one. I don't think he's realistic, but that's your obvious number one, right? Yeah. I think as far as, like, the can't-miss guy that could fall, I think it has to be Jamar Chase for me. Because if you get a wide receiver of his caliber, also a guy that's got a bond with the guy that's your future in Justin Jefferson, probably helps. You know, the Vikings have had success with Anthony Barr and Eric Kendricks in a similar fashion on the defensive side of the ball. I think he becomes can't miss. The other thing here is is if the quarterback falls, and that's what we're going to have to get into yeah. here um, in a second. But I guess to give you three my my absolute guys that I'm you know banging the table for, I think it would start with Penny Sewell. Number two would be Jamar Chase, and number three would be Kyle Pitts. I think all three of those guys are just on the fringe there of what the Vikings can actually do at fourteen. I don't. I I don't know which wide receiver is gonna be the one that slides. I know there's gonna be one. I kind of feel like it'll be Waddle just because I think he has the least nine. You know, name recognition. But I also, you know, I I'm aware of the fact that Devontae Smith is undersized as well, and I think that he's the gamble. He scares me at 14. So, I guess the yeah. I, I the the short answer here is I don't know. I, I don't I don't have I don't have a clear cut answer yeah. to. You no, know, there's so many guys that I don't know where they actually rank as a result of this quarterback class. You know, you look at the obvious, you know, top 3 picks, it's probably going to be what it will it, be Trevor Lawrence, uh, probably Justin Fields in some way shape or form, probably Zach Wilson. I mean, Mac Jones might get mixed in there. I mean, there's so much that can happen in those four picks that all of a sudden like the guys who you think may not ever fall to you. Like there's no shot in hell. It happens every year. It happens, it happens every, year. every year. So to me, you know, Penny Sewell is the answer to that, even though, like, in my mind, it would be crazy. Crazy. I mean, guy last year, it. right,
0: was that we, the general consensus among everybody was, you know, CeeDee Lamb or Jerry Judy, top receiver in the draft, right? Right. Um, then Henry Ruggs, I believe, right, was the first one taken. And I think of course, both yeah. of those guys, I think, it was it CeeDee Lamb, went to like 16 or 17 in the draft right. to Dallas. So, like, things like, I mean, it all ha- it happens all the time. And I think, you know, that, that I think that's why it's very possible that we see, Jamar Chase, like you said, and that was going to be my number one. Um, well, let me clarify, my number one non-quarterback uh, to fall, and then it would be Patrick Sertan, and then I'd probably go Sewell as well. As sort of be my my three guys that. And I don't think Sewell is as realistic, um, but you know the guys that are sort of, if they fall or get near the Vikings at fourteen, you know I'm pounding the table. I'm I'm trading up. I'm moving a couple of mid-round picks, whatever the case may be. get to that spot and get those guys because they can they are going to be game break game breaking players in my opinion in the league so that's just something that you know and i think both of us are on the same page in terms of the interior offensive line spot um it's just there's so much talent that you know it's just it's very realistic for one of those names i guess is what i'm saying to fall uh to the vikings one of those names there um and i think you have to make that take that chance on one of those guys instead of, you know, an Elijah Attacker or somebody like that.
1: Absolutely. The other, the other thing and just kind of round out the conversation with the offensive tackle position, of course, Sewell's on top of everyone's board. Uh, Realistically though, there's two other guys in Rashawn Slater from Northwestern and Christian Derisaw from Virginia tech. Derisaw gets a lot of love on Twitter. I'm sure everyone's familiar with that name. Uh, That could also be there at number 14 and more likely will be there at 14. Yeah. Both those guys are, in my opinion, good fits for the, what the Vikings like to do. Um, there's another guy too, as well, that, uh, has been flying a little bit under the radar in terms of like that top tier position at offensive tackle. Uh, and that's Samuel Cosme, who the only reason I know who he is is because Jordan brought him up as a great pick for the Vikings in the in kind of the sense that he's a very athletic and, you know, built in the same structure as what the Vikings have drafted in the past in guys like Brian O'Neill, for example. I don't know if he's a first round pick, but if you're going to slide back into the first, I think there's a conversation to be had with him as well. So my point being here is that depending on where you're actually going to make this pick, I don't care if it's at six, 14, 20, 28, whatever, but what's going to be the most important thing for me, regardless of where they pick is whether the pick itself matches the resource that you're allocating, right? I mentioned this with the guard spot, but this is this goes across the board. Like, I want to see the Vikings get great value with a top player. You know, not necessarily that fills a need, but a guy that answers that question. Like, does he fit at 28? Like, do you feel like you got great value there? I'm gonna be happy then. I don't care as long as you're allocating the resources correctly. If you want to draft Jamar Chase at, at six, awesome. That, that works for me. But if you want to draft, you know, an offensive tackle at six, again, also works for me. That's a prime position of need and something that, you know, fits the bill with regard to the number six pick. But if you're going to stay at 14, you got to be a little bit more careful. you got to think about it a little bit more because it's less, it's less obvious, right? That's why Kyle Pitts might sl- slip is because he's a tight end, because that value is – it's kind of, there's not a right answer. I mean, TJ Hawkinson has happened. Vernon Davis has happened. Like, what do, you, what do you really know about the tight end position? So my point here is that depending on where the Vikings pick, as long as they make you know, a good resource pick, I'm going to be happy. Because I think there's a lot of prospects here in the top 20 that can help the Vikings. So as long as they get one of those guys with wherever they pick, I think ultimately it's going to be a good pick for the Vikings.
0: I think the term we're dancing around and haven't really said yet, but best player available. Just Take more or less take the best player available. Um, because I, I you could do worse than that strategy with given where the Vikings are at now. If you're an established team, um, you know like a, a contending roster, right? You've got all the pieces you need. Uh, don't have any glaring weaknesses. I can understand. Okay, here's you want to draft this position to fill this. You know, if yeah, if you're weak at linebacker, right? But you just coming off a Super Bowl appearance. Yeah, we're gonna go after and trying to get the best linebacker available. But the Vikings have enough problems on the roster, in my opinion. Um, that they can really just get best player available and go from there. Uh, I don't think this is a contending roster. I don't think they have to worry about uh, being selective about which position they draft there. They can go a bunch of different directions and it won't really, um, they they won't be sacrificing anything there. So give me the best player available um, at the most valuable position that's there. So, you know, the, the best tackle available or the best wide receiver available or the best cornerback available um, or the best quarterback available, which we'll get to here. Um, anything like that I'd be totally fine with. And of course we discussed all of those names here.
1: Okay. Final question to wrap this up before we start talking quarterbacks here. Uh, The guard position, where is it acceptable to draft for the Vikings this year? Like, where's it? Okay. So you said it's not okay at 14. So where's it? Right.
0: So this is where like, it'd be cool. If the Vikings are going to do this trade down scenario. Um, I'm thinking like end of the first round, early second or maybe you uh, maybe you actually move up into the early second round after making a first round pick something like that um and that's where you go grab your interior offensive lineman but of course Elijah tucker is going to be the the popular name a bunch of others out there banks uh wyatt davis dante brown like there's there's guys out there ben cleveland um but i just i don't like the NFL is different now where the guard position, it's kind of like running back. They just don't have that much of an impact on your team. Um, It's not, you know, you don't have your Will Shields and your uh, Steve Hutchinson from like the early 2000s where a road grader offensive lineman uh, was going to pave the way for your running back to run for 1800 yards. That doesn't happen anymore. And so that's why I'm kind of trying to avoid that position early. I think it's fine to use a mid round pick on that resource. um, And I think that's the best place for the Vikings to address that need. Um, but that's the beauty of it too, where the Vikings have this need, but they can use the first round to go after other more prominent and more valuable needs. And then there's, I think there's going to be a decent bank of guys in the interior offensive line that will be available second, third round where the Vikings can move around and make that, make that play.
1: Yeah. There are, you know, there's a ton of interesting guard selections like in the mid rounds here. Like I, I you know, there's the obvious names, then there's kind of like the under the radar guys that, you know, make you wonder, you know, does this guy make more sense if you know, assuming you're able to get a better prospect in the first round? You know, I I look at Quinn Miners just immediately because he's from Wisconsin Whitewater. So like the fact that he's a top 150 prospect yeah. on just about everyone's board immediately catches my eyes. It's the same type of thing with you and Ben Barch, except for, you know, of course, he went to St. John's and so did you. So there's a little bit more of a connection there. But the fact that you've got this guy that I believe Whitewater is a D three program. They should be a D two oh, yeah. program, but they I believe they are D three program. So the fact that he's even in the conversation, um, I think that's an interesting player as well and someone to keep an eye on in the mid rounds for the Vikings because you know that they have you know their Midwest scouts making sure that they've got their eyes on everybody. And it wouldn't shock me if one of the, if a Viking scout was one of the first people to discover this guy in the first place just because of regional value and things of that nature. So I would keep an eye on that name as well. Uh, Let's talk quarterbacks because, while unrealistic, I think yeah. there have been people that have had added fuel to the fire to suggest the Vikings may or may not be interested in moving up for a quarterback. I think Dan orvlovsky is probably the most prominent name out yeah. there. Uh, I don't know if he's the most trustworthy name as well. I think that disclaimer is necessary here, but he did list the Vikings as a you know one of his three picks to you know move up for a quarterback that you would you know not really expect them to do. Uh, We're here in Vikings land, I think. You know, Ed, the 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 only thing that's expected is the unexpected. So I'm not putting this out of you know I'm not putting this out for in terms of what Rick Spielman might do, uh, but I do think that this is kind of a a dreaming scenario for for all of us to some degree. Uh, but there's four, five, maybe even six interesting quarterbacks out there this year. Um, there's probably three that have generated all the headlines, and I think uh, everyone has their own favorite. Uh, what do you think the Vikings are going to do if? If they're trading up for a quarterback, this is the first question. If the Vikings are trading up for a quarterback, which one is it? Which one do you think fits the Vikings the most in your opinion?
0: Yeah. So, I mean, if they're going to trade up for a quarterback, I, I you know the the Mac Jones, Kirk Cousins uh, comparisons have been made right uh, over and over. Um, now, my favorite of the bunch is Zach Wilson. Um and then Justin Fields are kind of neck and neck for me, uh, between those two, uh, just because I think we're both serious gamers and I kind of love that out of a quarterback. I think they have kind of more of a, that it's more of an, uh, outwardly kind of leadership quality that I don't think Kirk expresses very much. Um, and I really want that out of the next sort of franchise quarterback on the Minnesota Vikings. So those would be my two favorites. Um, now to clarify, Trading up for a quarterback, I don't think it's likely the Vikings do this, right? I'm not – we're not trying to suggest that, you know, the Vikings are going to do this or whatever, um, but I will always be on the train right now, um, given where the Vikings are at, given where I think kind of Kirk has sort of peaked. Um, you know, I, I think you have to make this decision now, and you have to sort of gamble on a quarterback here coming up, um, where – but, the you know, Kirk's contract through 2022 is, is coming to an end, and I don't imagine – Uh, The Vikings will extend that. you got to think about the future more. you got to be kind of, you know, the rebuild needs to happen, and you got to kind of accelerate it, right, to keep your team relevant. And so uh, the quarterback position is loaded right now. I think, uh, you know, at least four of these guys are really good candidates to be great starters for the long haul in the NFL. Obviously, Lawrence is going to go one, and then from there, it's kind of up in the air. What happens? I think the most realistic shot of somebody falling, where the Vikings could maybe – all the way to maybe 14, or whether – it's maybe moving up a few spots as Trey Lance and North Dakota state. Um, So either way, I think he's worth the gamble as well. So I, again, I think any one of the, you know, Lawrence, obviously he's going to be gone, but Wilson, Lance or fields are kind of the three for me that if they're available realistically, or you don't have to give up too much to move up, you make that gamble.
1: Okay. So a couple of things here, first and foremost, trading up in itself It's hard to imagine here. Um, Yes, this is more the quarterback conversation is more centered around uh, what can you do at 14? Because if you're trading up, you don't have a second round pick this year to trade. So you're probably talking about trading future picks, which I think we all know Rick Spielman hates doing that just in the first place. Like I would find it very unlikely for Rick Spielman to trade number 14 this year, as well as, you know, his first round pick next year and probably a second round pick. If you're trying to move up into that top four to get the guy that you want. Uh, The second thing here is that really what it comes down to is what San Francisco does because San Francisco is going to go one way or the other. It's either going to be Mac Jones or Justin Fields. I think Um, I, I think I, I think Kyle Shanahan's going to do the smart thing and take Justin fields. Um, I do. So I think that eliminates him from the conversation entirely because I don't think you can move up higher than four as it is. Um, I'm not a Mac Jones guy. I'm out. I'm out on him. Uh, I will be disappointed if the Vikings make that move, which brings our conversation to the guy that you just mentioned in Trey Lance, um, which is really, I, I think he's interesting for a couple of reasons because In a different draft class, I think that he could be like the Robert Griffin to someone's Andrew Luck, right? If there's only two quarterbacks in the class, it's like you're debating, okay, you've got the guy who everyone knows, and then you're kind of comparing him to the next guy. I think in any other class, if there's no Justin Fields here, I mean, if there's no Zach Wilson, I think Trey Lance gets that type of consideration, which makes him, in my mind, a value pick outside of the top 10. I think this is a player that goes top 10 in the right circumstances, is what I'm saying. So the question becomes, do you take him at 14 and not fill a need, right? Not fill a need at all. Uh, make a move for the future with a quarterback that has recently been re-signed for a guy that is also going to probably require a completely different system as well. And you can do so much more with a guy like Trey Lance uh, just on mobility alone. Uh, he's a good enough passer where the fact that he can move his legs, it just exponentially increases what you can do with your playbook. So all those things in mind, I mean, do you do it? That's the question here. Do you do it? If Trey Lance is sitting there at 14, you get that run of quarterbacks, Mac Jones somehow falls in there instead of Trey Lance. And he's sitting there waiting for you. Do you take him? Despite, you know, the obvious red flags, you know, smaller conference, right? Uh, experience. et cetera, experience, yeah, et cetera, et cetera. Do you gamble? Is it worth it at fourteen?
0: Yes, it is. Um, and I think I that's a good point that you made that you know, he's the prospect that would be top five, like undoubtedly, in kind of a normal draft class where there's not a Trevor Lawrence and a Justin Fields and a Zach Wilson and I guess a Mac Jones, but all those guys up there, you know? So, and, you know, I think the thing about Lance for me is that like all of his so-called weaknesses that are seemingly kind of hindering his draft stock right now, a lot of it is just inexperience. A lot of it is something that under a year uh, or with a year of sitting behind Kirk Cousins, perhaps um, these things can be, you know, molded, I think a lot. Now there's always scenarios where a guy that is isn't experienced, does not have a ton of starting experience or, um, you know, then he does get drafted high and makes that start. And it doesn't pan out. Um, I think this is at the point where you have to make that gamble uh, as the, at the Vikings. Like I said, I, I, and I have a different feel or I guess opinion of where the Vikings are than maybe most do. I think a lot of Vikings fans think this team is going to bounce back is ready to bounce back and be a playoff team right away. And I just don't see that being the case, which is why I'm more willing to uh, kind of reach out for a quarterback here. um, Kind of understanding that 2021 to me is more or less a lost year already. And so you can here get your quarterback for the future, develop him, let him sit a year behind Kirk cousins. And then in 2022, maybe if he's ready to start, you know, you can, I kind of worry about Kirk after that, maybe get rid of him or trade him, whatever. Uh, But then you kind of, Make this guy your starter. I think Lance can be that guy, or at least you can. You should definitely take the shot uh, for that if he's available at fourteen.
1: Okay, so first and foremost, the number fourteen pick is like the ideal position to draft, or excuse me, to gamble in the draft, right? Fourteen, somewhere in that range from like twelve to like twenty, that those are your spots in the first round where if you're gonna do a, if you're gonna do something, right? Like if you're gonna, you know, stick your neck out, it's a good place to do it because top ten picks are you know, expected to hit, right? Those are guys, like, if you miss top 10 picks, your franchise is set back years. Everyone hates you. You probably take years to get another <laughs> GM job. Uh, it sucks, right? You don't want to miss in the top 10. 11 to 20, people start to relax a little bit more. They're like, ah, you know what? The best players are gone, but there's this guy. There's this guy, Trey Lance, who, the right circumstances, if we can build around him right, if we could develop this kid, if he doesn't get hurt, knock on wood, he all of a sudden looks really, really good at 14. At the same time as that, if he falls, you know, if he does, if he fails, just washes out of the league in four years, becomes a backup guy, becomes Brett Hundley, for example. That's a great kind of floor for Trey Lance, I think. Are you really going to be pissed at number 14? I just, I don't know if I would be because – yeah, so, you can look at the draft. Because we're going to – so
0: the, t- we should like – we should really show or like explain the difference between like with if drafting Trey Lance here and what would be – you know and drafting Christian Ponder in 2011 because those to me would be completely different things where Ponder, so Ponder was, a reach, an reach. was borderline first-round prospect, right? Um, I think that was consensus. I even remember that as what I was 15 years old, 16 years old at the time but i remember that being okay this guy might go first round um you know he there was clear weaknesses with his athleticism his um leadership that there was questions about with christian ponder and this is different with lance i mean he's got those boxes checked off it's just the inexperienced part that is worrisome um and knocking him down a bit so I think there's very, they're very different. And to me, that's why, you know, if it doesn't pan out, I mean, that's going to happen. Draft, not every draft prospect works out. Not every pick works out. Matt Khalil was the most slam dunk draft pick of all time or so-called draft slam dunk draft pick of all time. Obviously didn't work out like that. It happens. And I think Trey Lance would be, if it wouldn't work out in this scenario, I certainly wouldn't be upset because I think the process is, is right. And I think that's what we need to focus more of our attention on in, in this type of, in, in, draft selection processes um focus more on the process than the result sometimes because a lot of it is especially with quarterbacks can just be a crapshoot
1: so you know <laughs> the christian ponder one is is funny that you bring that up because that's the obvious move here that the vikings have made this mistake in the past and i think that what you just said about the process is important because what the vikings did drafting christian ponder in 2011 with the number 12 overall pick similar situation right uh First of all, the obvious stuff, what Drew just said, not a number, not a top 15 prospect, probably not a top 60 prospect. Okay. So that's your fi- first fail. But what they were trying to do in drafting a quarterback there, I mean, who else would you have drafted if you're drafting a quarterback? The mistake is the fact that they drafted a quarterback at all. They pigeonholed
0: themselves into that, into yeah. drafting a quarterback. That's the
1: mistake. Drafting and the quarterback was, itself you know, is not a know, mistake.
0: J.J. Watt on the board, right? I think he went right after that.
1: He went right before. Oh, OK, the best thing that the Vikings could have done in theory in that first round from these players, you know, the players well, available, that first
0: round was loaded, which is if you look back like
1: right before the Vikings, <laughs> the, so. the, the best whole thing they could 10, have done yeah. is probably Nate Kerrigan or excuse me, Ryan Kerrigan or Nate Solder are probably the two best names that they didn't get as a result yeah. of drafting Christian Ponder. My point being here, as it relates to Trey Lance, is that I'm OK sacrificing a Ryan Kerrigan or a Nate Solder to gamble for Trey Lance. If we could do the 2011 thing again, knowing what I did about Christian Ponder before he was in the NFL, I would not have been willing to sacrifice that pick for those guys. There's a difference here, I think. Trey Lance ultimately, to me, is a guy that could be a top five talent. It's just can you groom him correctly? Which I have questions about with regards to the Vikings, by the way. I don't know if the Vikings could do it.
0: Yeah, and we we also don't know, like, and now I I wouldn't anticipate this being an issue, but, like, does Kirk Cousins want to be – a backup that is grooming a, or I guess a yeah. veteran teacher for a, a younger starter. Like we don't know where he's at either. Um, but I think at the absolute worst, you or at, le- uh, at the absolute least, you kind of need to, there's got to be a little bit of pressure. You know, you want that competition from backup. You don't want Sean Mannion as your backup, kind of giving the the cushion. have uh, him
1: either, by the way. Right.
0: Right. Yeah. Well. Yeah. (laughs) So, um, but like, so the other part I wanted to mention with this whole quarterback discussion is um, you can look like Rick Spielman's doing his work on the quarterbacks this year. He is doing his research on these quarterbacks, on Fields, on Wilson, on um, Mac Jones. Like he's 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 studying these guys, um, which he you know as someone has pointed out in the Daily Norseman comments and on Twitter and like he didn't do this or hasn't done this with quarterbacks since 2014, which was the year Vikings were in the market for a quarterback, you know, when it was Blake Bortles and um, Derek Carr and, and Johnny Manziel and then of course Teddy Bridgewater. So that was the year the Vikings really in the market for a quarterback and they went and got one. And this was after, you know, a Spielman really focused his energy on the position. So, um, seems like he's doing that again. He's going to all the pro days of these guys. He's focusing a lot of attention on Lance and, and um, basically all these quarterbacks out there that are not Trevor Lawrence. Um, something to note because, again, the Vikings don't seem to be uh, kind of the, one of the prime candidates to take quarterback right now. But as uh, Orlovsky was kind of hinting at, there's potential for a surprise there. And the Vikings, if they do feel like they kind of – if they if they feel like I do about the roster – quarterback is is the way to go
1: here I, I think the question with Cousins is what's going to prohibit this discussion from ever becoming any sort of a reality just in my opinion I I, <laughs> I feel like Kirk Cousins is going to have some level of influence here and it's he's gonna he's the type of guy to be like I don't want to be pushed I don't I don't want anyone to come in and try and
0: see like, I, I that wouldn't surprise me we obviously don't know that I mean no, there's no, no that's, scenario that's a, that's a in which we will guess. ever know that but that's I could definitely see that being the case where he's just he kind of he and his agent are kind of telling the team, you know what, you're paying me this much money. I'm going to be the quarterback. It would be dumb for you to go out and get it, you know, someone else right now. That type of deal.
1: The question, I mean, I feel like Kirk Cousins would treat the Vikings drafting a quarterback at 14 the same way that Aaron Rodgers and his agent were treating the Packers drafting Mm. a quarterback in the first round last year, which isn't not a fair comparison at all, but I think that's what would happen. That's just my, again, we're dreaming here. If this is, I'm completely, I've broken through to, a, you know, a different universe at this point, but the point is, is that the quarterback hey, position, the result is the though,
0: you now for as much crap as you get the Packers for drafting quarterback, Aaron Rodgers just won MVP. So, I mean, a little kick in the butt could be a good thing.
1: Straight up. And we can close out with this here. If drafting a quarterback at 14, that we're never going to use, Fires is eight, like in like that move. We can translate that to greater success for Kirk Cousins. Do it. <laughs> I'll <laughs> trade ever. I'll trade the. I'll trade the first overall pick the Vikings making this draft if we can get five thousand yards on, you know, eleven point five yards per attempt <laughs> <laughs> from Kirk Cousins. If you can give me that, I'll sacrifice the pick. But. yeah, any final draft thoughts that you'd like to share here? Um, I assume we'll continue looking a little bit more in depthly the next time we speak to you guys yeah. for now, closing thoughts.
0: Um, I, other than, you know, the Vikings are going to move around. I don't expect them to take the 14th overall Neither pick in this draft. So I don't know where, if they're going to go up or down, who knows? That's the fun part about this, but I really don't think they're going to take the 14th pick.
1: Yeah. I think that's a good way. A uh, good way to, um, to end this show because I'm kind of I'm on the same page as you I think that you know we have the discussion because that's what's objective right we the Vikings have the 14th pick but oddly enough I don't think the Vikings are going to take a player with the 14th pick which is you know weird in itself but that, I'm with you I, I feel the same way I don't think the Vikings are drafting there I think are I think it's going to be in the 20s I do that's that's gonna be my uh, my take to end this show so as always we appreciate you guys listening to us kind of uh I don't know work through these draft prospects here to the best of our ability. We hope you enjoy our kind of spirited discussion on our beliefs and whatnot. And we hope you join us next week or uh, the next time we speak with you here uh, to discuss these guys more in depth and uh, you know, have another perspective that you may not be getting somewhere else. on these players and what the Vikings may or may not do. But as always, you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, uh, Spotify, wherever else you listen to your podcasts. We're on YouTube as well if you prefer to watch us talk about the Vikings. Uh, and make sure to check out the rest of the climbing. By the, the way, if
0: you're watching on YouTube, you'll see BJ's shirt right now, which is, <laughs> which is kind of – it's a good shirt. It's a good meme.
1: Yeah, it is. It is that. So uh, I'm not even going to tell. I'm, you have to watch it on YouTube if you want. Yeah, to. I know. There it is. There We're going to see bait. those
0: YouTube metrics skyrocket now. Little,
1: little little clickbait. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so that's it for today. Breach uh, it as always, and we will catch you guys next week.